So today is an episode that I'm looking forward to talking about. It's an episode of the Health Forward podcast with Julian Whitehead, um, powered by, of course, Whitehead Legal. Um, to, and it takes a deep dive into critical startup considerations for practitioners who are looking at premises for their startup practice. So let us go. Legal check before you sign anything. So a great many of you know um, the Lord of the Rings meme. And <laughs> one does not simply walk into Mordor. If not, suggest you Google it. One does not simply lease a premises for a startup practice. To begin with, a suitable premises is found. So you've inspected and the leasing agent has provided you with the heads of agreement, the lease proposal or the offer to lease or whatever the leasing agent wishes to proffer to you. Let's call it the preliminary agreement. Um, the preliminary agreement provides the basis for the lease that you will subsequently be entering into. Unfortunately for you, the preliminary agreement is nearly always 95% always drafted in the landlord's favour and frequently lacks the fundamental and terms and conditions as follows, satisfactory finance, dealing with town planning, uh, amending or applying for new unconditional town planning permits, satisfactory access to the premises and occupancy certificates, applying for building permits and satisfactory landlord management body corporate approval. So the the preliminary agreement may, on paper, look good for a landlord. Um, for a tenant, yeah, not so much. There's always, always a balance in favour of the landlord. So we'll start off on the important element of satisfactory finance. So your finance team has likely... Uh, provided their own conditions to you for formal finance approval to get to get it from a conditional finance approval to an unconditional finance approval. So you, as the practitioner who is looking at a, a preliminary agreement, need to ensure that agreement is subject to those satisfactory finance conditions. The drafting of the lease agreement is paramount for finance clauses, and it's not as simple as inputting Subject to finance is the finance clause drafting details that count towards this, its enforceability. If it's lacking in certain areas, it can be, it can, not it will be, but it can be completely struck out and you will have a, a preliminary agreement that is not subject to finance. That's not what we want. So, town planning before even inspecting <laughs> the premises, I suggest not only speaking to a town planner on the, on the premises, but 
potential tenants, they commence their interim town planning due diligence on the premises by requesting the current town planning permit from the leasing agent. So if the leasing agent is reticent in providing the town planning permit, then go to local council and obtain information about the premises and explain exactly what you, the practitioner, are planning at the premises. For example, if you want two practitioners practicing at the one time, or, or you want the permit unconditional on operating hours, which is unlikely, you'll have essentially fairly reasonable uh, or operating hours, you won't get to midnight. Um, but yeah, if you want the, uh, the town planning permit precisely the way you want it, then the preliminary agreement needs to state that. After you, the practitioner, have completed your preliminary due diligence, some likely formal planning responses are that the premises town planning permit is adequate, hooray, and allows two practitioners practicing at the one time with unconditional operating hours or reasonable operating hours. Or on the flip side, a response to your uh, town planning due, uh, DD from either the agent or the local council or the, um, the landlord directly, if you're dealing with the landlord directly, is that you are told the existing town planning permit, premises town planning permit is incompatible with your leasing requirements. And you are told that it may take 60 to 90 days to amend the permit to your requirements. So, hmm. What next? <laughs> you will need, I reiterate, you will need to inform the leasing agent who, if representing the premises as a viable location for a health practice, may need a commercial reality check on the lease commencement date timing. Remember, leasing agents, they represent the landlord. I represent you as a tenant. Sometimes I represent landlords. But in startups, this podcast is focusing on me representing practitioners starting up as tenants. So insisting on appropriate town planning compliance is industry standard and is of paramount importance. Do not be, well, yeah, do not be pressured into signing the preliminary agreement before obtaining proper legal advice and town planning advice. The, the, um, the standard verbiage from uh, either the, the managing agent or the landlord will be, there are other interested parties or there's a fear of missing out that you may, may have. And it's, of course, it's difficult at times not to fall in love with a premises straight away you, the practitioner, the incoming tenant, you need to be commercial as there are many out there and you will really need to scrutinise your premises thoroughly. Every landlord wants their premises lease to commence tomorrow. It's understandable. If I'm acting for the landlord, I'll be, I'll be asking for that as well. But again, I reiterate, this is a tenant podcast, tenant episode of the podcast, pardon me. 
and you are investing significant time, you are engaging your own consultants and borrowing significant amounts of finance to, to likely fit out the, the landlord's premises. Your preliminary agreement and the lease documentation must be subject to the new amended town planning permit with appropriate town planning conditions, along with the remainder of the uh, items that I've just uh, that I previously uh, input on those just before the town planning, satisfactory finance, um, access to the premise, and building permits. Speaking of satisfactory access uh, to the and building permits, your builder, your fit out, your designer, whomever is stewarding your uh, fit out, and it's very likely that you're going to fit it out, your fresh fresh, um, brand new construction, um, your builder will need access to the premises and your preliminary agreement needs to foreshadow an access period for your builder, along with the with conditionality of a building filling permit. If your builder is unable for whatever reason to attain a building permit for your premises fit out, you need, of course, you need the ability to withdraw from that preliminary agreement. Consider those ramifications. If the building fit out that you want cannot be done and a permit is rejected, you signed up to something that's, con- that's unconditional and oh, look, it's, tri- it's very tricky to get out of. Um, another important element uh, of conditionality for a preliminary agreement is landlord and body corp approval. What happens if you cannot agree to the design of your premises fit out with your landlord or if the landlord is imposing unreasonable conditions on your design or if your signage or advertising is reasonable but not acceptable to the body corp? It's common for landlords to have some input on your in, on your fit out. You've got to you need to real uh, practitioners need to understand that of course you're fitting out someone else's premises. So yeah, it's reasonable that they have some input. However, we are aware of horror stories whereby landlord and tenant relationships have broken down at the design stage, and subsequently the tenant wants to withdraw from the from the pro, from the lease or the or the lease agreement the preliminary agreement so ensuring that your preliminary agreement has reasonable and satisfactory conditions assists in your design negotiation as the landlords hold much less leverage over you and their agents of course so we at whitehead legal uh, powered by whitehead legal or this the uh Health Lawyer Podcast by Julian Whitehead. We recommend that your preliminary agreement includes a sunset date of 60 to 90 days, meaning during that period, during that 60 to 90 day period of time from citing the landlord's signature on the preliminary agreement, um, you, the you, the practitioner, the tenant, have time to, compl- to complete finance, body corp approval, building permits, town planning permit amendments if necessary. And then, and only then, will your formal lease 
commence. You won't have a period of time where you're leasing a premises, you're paying rent and outgoings plus GST, and you are waiting on a town planning permit. Yeah, that's money that is not well spent. So critical items to consider. Leasing terms. Common negotiable terms are rent, rent and outgoings free periods. That's from the commencement date of the lease. Uh, removal of demolition and relocation clauses from within the, the, the lease agreement of the, the, the lease or the preliminary agreement. Um, the security deposit, bank guarantee, quantum. There is, a, a, there is not an industry standard of, for the security deposits. We see between one and six months for uh, single, single freeholds compare, and up to uh, premises that are located within strip malls to large-scale um, shopping centres. There's no standard, but, you know, it's, it's, it can be a lot, it can be a, a lot to ask a, a practitioner, a tenant, you, to hand over six months uh, rent plus GST plus outgoings as a bank guarantee or a security deposit. Consider negotiating that. It's their negotiable items. Get them down to two if you can. Otherwise, we'll, we'll try for you. But during the lease preliminary agreement stage rather than the lease formal documentation stage because, as I've reiterated before, the, the preliminary agreement forms the basis of the lease documentation. That's why it's so critical to get it right and to not have it have any uh, constrained negotiations on items such as an, uh, a security deposit or bank guarantee that you want to reduce two, and you've already signed the preliminary agreement with six. So this is, that's a good example of it. Another item is um, of the lease terms that you, that you really should nut out during the preliminary, um, or we can nut out during the preliminary agreement stage, and that's promotion of marketing lev levies. You should disclose what, what figures there are, um, what are the outgoings. Um, you should uh, consider the further terms that are offered, whether or not they align with your financier for, um, to provide that finance, that's, that's critical. If you're only getting two years and you're spending a million dollars on finance, well, speak to your financier as to whether or not that will be acceptable. Um, and uh, what's your rental reviews? It's CPI, market review on the commencement of each further term. Uh, we're looking at fixed interests. Um, and whether or not there's going to be a landlord contribution, contribution to that fit out. That's, that could be a significant quantum that can be cut off your, um, your, your, your amounts that you need to lend or um, it can be contributed to uh, rent-free periods instead. So we usually seek to remove in a preliminary agreement um, any requirement for the tenant to pay any lessor's consultancy costs. What are they? They need to be reasonable if you agree to them or managing agents or leasing agents fees or critical here, non-refundable amounts. So at times, um, most of the time when you when a, uh, a, a preliminary agreement is signed, a holding deposit or some form of um, 
however the, the managing agent likes to uh, uh, refer, wants to refer to it as in their preliminary agreement, because it is the landlord's agent or the landlords who, who prepare these preliminary hits of agreements. So whatever it's called, if it's called an, an, an initial deposit, um, you just really need to make sure, and that's what we do, make sure that they're non-refund, that, that they aren't um, non-refundable. That's critical. You might be paying uh, a month rent up front, and in the event that the um, the the preliminary agreement, heads of agreement is, is signed, but you for whatever reason, um, whatever reason uh, you don't proceed with signing the lease, well, it's in a lot of heads of agreements whereby the initial deposit it just goes it's uh, goes straight to the landlord uh, and yeah it's um it's unfortunately uh, practitioners have come to us already signing these these um heads of agreement these heads of agreements preliminary agreements so <laughs> critical don't sign anything until until you've spoken to us and we can scrutinize that because that's a simple um a simple example of how these preliminary agreements are, are weighted in favor of landlords and most of the time, we can get those costs um, more evenly balanced. So give us a call to discuss how, how, how the balancing act really works and, and the syntax of, the, um, of what we can do with, with, with those amounts. Of course, an amount should be paid to, to, make, the, um, to make the agreement uh, binding. Um, I, I expect that. And I'd, I'd, I... I see uh, amounts paid, but it's just the dealing of the amounts in the event of worst case scenarios, like you fall, like you fall out of love with the premises or for some reason where you don't proceed. That's what really needs to be covered off. Those, those yeah, insurance policies for, those, for amounts paid. So the path to signing your preliminary agreement and formal lease documentation. So once you're... Excuse me. Once your preliminary agreement is, uh, once we've satisfactorily amended your preliminary agreement, again, we would rebalance it into your favour or try and strike a, a, an even balance with the landlord's lawyer. Uh, we usually request that the landlord's lawyer, not the leasing agent, confirm the, that the preliminary agreement terms and conditions are fully comprehended by the landlord. This is particularly important if the landlord's lawyer uses their own form of lease, particularly in shopping centre premises, rather than the lease recommended by your uh, state law institute, um, be it New South Wales or Society um, Standard Forms or, or Institute of Victoria Standard Form of Lease Documentation. Uh, and it also to ensure, we'd like to confirm with the landlord's lawyer to ensure that all representations made by the leasing agent are valid. We have at times negotiated in good faith and signed the preliminary agreement with the leasing agent only to find that the landlord's lawyer advising the landlord and drafting against already agreed terms. Landlord's lawyer's confirmation keeps the leasing agent accountable for representations made to you. All parties then sign the preliminary agreement and if we've been able to negotiate that you know, uh, period between signing the agreement to the, commence, the actual lease commencement date and be that 60 to 90 days would be great, that period begins upon which we contemporaneously request further due diligence if necessary, if we haven't been given everything, 
and the formal lease documentation um, from the landlord's lawyer. Uh, yeah, we request that. So with the formal uh, lease documentation, expect to receive um, a lease incorporating your preliminary agreement agreed terms, um, an agreement to lease if you are starting up at a site where the building and premises is yet to be built, um, and depending on your state's um, independent disclosure uh, requirements for, for outgoings, a, a premises disclosure statement. So it's important that the preliminary agreement and lease is clearly negotiated and documented. We at Whitehead Legal can provide the proper protection for a startup tenant, a startup practitioner, you. So that's it for today's episode. Remember y'all, this is legal information. So make sure that you contact me, Julian Whitehead, a partner at Whitehead Legal to discuss how this episode relates to your future practice. Or if you're starting up an additional practice to a practice you already have, so you might have two, three, four practices then. Um, and how uh, information in this podcast, this episode can, um, can be assisted by our legal services. I exclusively advise in health, uh, advise health care practitioners throughout Australia, and I can be contacted in the um, normal way. I'll leave, of course, the contact details in the blurb underneath the podcast and, and the webinar and on LinkedIn. Um, and remember to visit our website um, for more podcasts. And thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Health Lawyer Podcast with Julian Whitehead.